What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different. Um, It is actually an episode that I recorded with Jimmy Moore on the Low Carb Cruise, and it's all about fasting. I've gotten so many questions about this topic and wanted to interview the fasting guru himself. Um, Thankfully, he is a good friend and was willing to sit down and take some time out of his vacation um, while we were on the cruise to record with me, answer all of your questions about fasting, and goof off a little bit. This podcast episode is just a tad bit different as you won't hear the most optimal audio. Uh, You may hear some background noise and you may hear us fumbling here and there. I know that my camera kind of stopped and paused once or twice, but hopefully you guys won't be able to pick up on that. But this was a pretty awesome conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you have any questions about fasting or want to get to know Jimmy more a little bit more, um, then you can click all of the links in the show notes and get in touch with him. Also, be sure to check out all of the books that he has. He just recently released um, the Keto Clarity Cookbook, and it is phenomenal. So, uh, the one book that we do mention in this interview is The Complete Guide to Fasting that Dr. Jason Fung wrote with Jimmy as well. So, um, yeah, that's a great resource for you to look at as well as listen to this podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Today we have a new sponsor to the KCL Keto Corner podcast. Further Food is a woman-ran company. Um, Ashley, Lillian, and Allegra, they all have had personal experiences with chronic illness. They decided to create real food-based supplements that help promote optimal health and wellness. Um, Their products are sold around the world. They consist of things like collagen, gelatin, turmeric, all things that help with gut, hair, skin, nails, joints, and promote um, healthy living. Did you know that collagen makes up 90% of the connective tissue in the body, 90% of the organic bone mass that we have, as well as 70% of the skin? This is huge, and what is crazy is in our 20s, our collagen levels decrease. We don't get enough in our diet, which is why they promote their collagen supplement that is grass-fed, pasture-raised, and organic. It is sugar-free, flavorless, um, and amazing quality. What I typically do is add a packet of their their to-go packets to my coffee, froth it real quick. It makes my coffee really creamy and yummy, and I don't even notice that I'm taking a supplement. So if you guys want to check out further foods, you can click the link in the show notes, um, and you can also use Keto Coach Lauren to save 10% off of your order as well. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> What's going on, you guys? We're um, recording 
a podcast and a video. We are. And, and we're, we're the best of buds. Yes. So I was like, we got to do this while we're on this cruise. Yes, absolutely. Are so, we on a cruise? That's awesome. We are on a cruise. Yes. I can't believe it's so quiet that we can actually talk. And you were just on a cruise like, what, two weeks ago? Five weeks. Okay, it felt like two weeks ago. Five weeks ago, we were actually on this very ship. You were. Um, yes, my family. As we, yeah, yes, not we. you and I, but husband. Yes, your husband son, and your mom and dad. Mom and dad, yeah. Yeah, and you was, had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. Is so, it surreal being back on the exact same ship? Yeah, it's weird. It's Except you've strange. got extended, you know, friends and family in this yes. one. <laughs> yeah, but now I know my way around the ship, so it's all yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. She's like the tour guide now for the whole ship. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I showed yeah. Crystal and Robert everything whenever we got on board. Absolutely. So. But yeah, so. So what are we doing here today? Well, uh, I think it's been a long time coming. Yeah. I wanted to have she, an interview. Yeah, she, to her credit, she's been begging me to come on KCL's Keto <laughs> Corner for a very long time. Ever since you had me on your podcast. And she was on my podcast, an incredible job. Go look up Living La Vida Low Carb Show, Keto Coach Lauren, and you'll find that. But uh, it was a comfortable conversation because uh -huh. we know each other well, and we know yeah. each other even better now. Yeah. So now I'm on your show. Yeah. I love being like the back seat. You take <laughs> You take control. I think it. I think it's just it's different because we are friends and we can have a conversation. That's right. So I don't feel like I'm interviewing somebody for a podcast. Right. But I've only done four thousand podcasts. Right. Literally, right. it's Ooh. been about four thousand oh between the ones on my show and then the other side of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Keto Clarity alone, I did probably three to four hundred. I don't That's remember. Crazy. I stopped counting. And now you have Jimmy Rants. And now I do Jimmy Rants. Yeah, if you count the Jimmy Rants, yeah. it's probably closer to 5,000 now. Right, yeah. <laughs> and all my Jimmy Ranchers over there. Yeah, everybody tuning in. Yeah. What, so, what? Um, but yeah, so for those listening uh, podcast-wise, we are on the low-carb cruise. Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, and this video will go on YouTube. So um, I wanted to get you on podcast, video, whatever, to talk about... The most popular topic I get asked about often. Yeah? What's that? Fasting. The other <laughs> F word is what I call that one. The other F word. And so when anyone asks me about fasting, you come to mind because of your book. You wrote The Complete Guide to Fasting. Yep. Me and Dr. Fung was a labor of love. Yeah. And that bad boy still sells really well. Yeah. Nobody else is really talking about it. Mm -mm. No. Beyond intermittent fasting, which I think intermittent fasting has almost become colloquial with keto. Right. And a lot of people at this conference we've been at have, have kind of articulated that, oh yeah, you just kind of fall into a pattern of not eating often. Even on this cruise ship, yeah. I found myself at the dining room going, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. And I go without eating. And how crazy is it, the, the looks that you get when you just you're sitting there and you're like, I'm not going to eat. Right. In a normal table, that'd be like, what's wrong with you? Right. You know, but being in the community that we are in, it's like, oh, nobody right, bats an eye. That's acceptable. That's okay. And it is funny that nobody will bat an eye, uh, within the, the keto world, but they, they give you a hard time oh, in the yeah. regular world, but then they give you a hard time if you don't eat. But then if you eat the crappiest of oh, crappy yeah. garbage, Suddenly, nobody gives a crap. Nobody cares. And it's like, that is far worse than not eating at all. Yeah, exactly. When you're in a fat-adapted state, it's like, what harm is it doing to me? Yeah. Other than putting a ton of sugar in my body if I was actually yeah, yeah, yeah. eating it. So. 
So what do you want to know about fasting? I want to know. Let's see. What question do I get the most? I want to dare her to ask me a question I've never been asked about fasting. Good luck with that, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I don't, I don't feel like that'll happen. But All right. So let's dive into the difference in intermittent fasting yes. and extended fasting. And I'll even throw in the wrinkle of alternate day fasting as there well. We yeah. So intermittent fasting uh, is something that can happen very naturally in nutritional ketosis, like we talked about, because of the satiating effects of the fats and the protein and uh, the lack of carbs stoking insulin and all the hunger hormones and all that. So intermittent fasting is defined as anything a day or less. So 24 hours or less. Uh, you might have heard this term OMAD, one meal a day. So that's a very popular way that a lot of people are intermittent fasting. But here's the way I put it with a lot of people. You eat your last meal of the day at 6 o'clock the night before. You wake up the next morning, you're really not hungry. Even on this cruise, yeah. I get access to an exclusive little side area for breakfast. We don't eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. So I haven't even been able to use that perk. Um, and you don't eat breakfast and then you eat your meal at noon. That noon meal is your break fast. fast. That's yeah. where breakfast comes from. Yes. Um, I tell people, uh, you know, they often say, well, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, it sure is. Whatever meal you break. Just not at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the break fast. Yeah. And so if you go from six o'clock the night before to noon the next day, that's 18 hours of a fast. That's called an 18 six intermittent fast. And that's pretty natural. Wow. Anybody could do that, especially when you're eating keto. And so if you want to push it longer than that, let's say you ate six o'clock, um, I wouldn't recommend eating later in the day if you're going to do one meal. If you're going to do one meal in a day, try to time it to be somewhere between like noon, two, three, something like that. Yeah. That way you get all the calories in the meal you're going to have for the whole day. And it's going to be a sizable meal. Yeah. People are like, oh, if you only eat one meal, you don't eat enough. I'm like, I eat enough, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> and so you eat that one meal. And you can go 24 hours, and if that freaks you out, just try it and see how you do. Mm -hmm. But I'd say all of this with fasting, it's a work your way up. Just yes. like you're, you work out in the gym, you yeah. would not have started deadlifting 300 pounds. No, absolutely not. You yeah. started with maybe 50 pounds. Right. Okay, let's see how, I'd, okay, that wasn't so bad. Mm -hmm. And the next time you went a little higher, a little higher, and now you're doing PRs, right? right? So you got to think of fasting in the same way that you're exercising that fasting muscle mm -hmm so that you get to the point of, okay, fasting for 12 hours, no big deal. Mm -hmm. That's called sleeping, by the way. Right. Uh, uh, fasting for 16, 18, and then if you want to push it to 24, then you get the benefits of it. Now, with pushing, like, I feel like it's, you have to also train your brain too. Like, you exercise that fasting yeah. muscle, you train yourself to go longer periods, but really it truly is mentally, I feel like. It's a lot of mental because you also have that pull of it's five o'clock and I normally eat. Mm -hmm. And your body is incredibly intelligent. Yes. It's already forming amylase enzymes yeah. to digest the food that it always expects you to eat, which is why I'm a big fan of mix up the times that you eat meals. Right. And when you do that, you don't train your body to automatically expect breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's right. Yeah. And so I don't even remember the last time I've had three meals in a day. Um, that was two days ago for me and it was yeah. the most uncomfortable <laughs> thing I have ever But travel is different yes. because when you travel, you're out of your normal routine. When I'm at home in Spartanburg, South oh, Carolina, absolutely. and you're in Graham, North Carolina, you're eating that two meals, probably solid meals a yes. day. 
um, and you're in your normal routine. So we forget about some little mitigating things that people don't do in their day-to-day -day because they're constantly eating. When you're eating, you're getting some micronutrients in there and minerals and things. And so when you're fasting, even in an intermittent fast, make sure you're salting. Yeah. And if you salt, you can mitigate some of that blah feeling mm -hmm. and some of that, and I'll put it in air quotes, hunger yes. that you feel. It's not really hunger. Generally, you're thirsty or your body is screaming for minerals. Right. So if you're giving your body some of that like Redmond's Real Salt, Pink Himalayan Sea Salt, something like that, then you're going to get that perk. And I've even talked about this on my shows a lot where if you stick it underneath your tongue yeah. and you just kind of let it percolate there, if you feel bad during even an intermittent fast, just stick it under the tongue and just let it ooze there yeah. and that feeling bad will go away. Yeah. I mean, I tend to find that if I just chew on salt, like the, the chunks Oh, you get the him, little chunks. Oh, I, get the chunks I thought I was the only weirdo that did that. No, and I love it. And people are just like, that's That's, that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, but I enjoy the flavor. I also right. enjoy the fact that it's, it's kind of like a chewing sensation. Yes. And you're tricking You're feeling like body. you're getting a meal. Right, yeah. So, that's a good trick for extended fasting too, yeah. which we'll get here in a minute. Yeah, so... Intermittent fasting is considered how long? Like, what would you consider uh, an intermittent fast? And then, past what point would you say? Yeah. So, like I said earlier, I think 24 hours or less. Okay. We'll call that an intermittent, intermittent. fast. And really, truth be told, when you stop eating your last meal of mm -hmm. the day, and then you go to bed, unless you eat, sleep. You know, eat, you know, sleep eat. eat. Your yeah. yeah. So like sleepwalking, you're sleep eating. Yeah. Um, then you shouldn't be eating all night, and then you wake up the next morning. Everybody does a very small intermittent fast every time they go to sleep. Right. What we're talking about is just pushing it a little bit longer. And some people are like, well, what does that do? That doesn't sound like it's doing a whole lot. It's doing profound stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're giving your pancreas a break. You're lowering inflammation. You're allowing growth hormone to uh, build up. You're getting insulin levels down. I mean, there's so many good cardio metabolic benefits to it, which is, I, I think, you know, we sometimes give credit to ketosis, which is beautiful. I'm a big fan. I've read a few, few books about um, keto, yeah. But I think a lot of the benefits that come from keto come from that spontaneousness of intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good symbiosis. So if you're eating keto and you're kind of still stuck in that breakfast, lunch, dinner mode, because I'll hear people describe their, you know, like I'll even sometimes on my show, what do you eat on your keto? Well, for breakfast I have, and for yeah. lunch I have, and for, and I'm, for dinner I have, and the snacks I have, and I'm going, all right, our versions of keto are different. Yeah. Because um, I'd be bleh uh -huh. if I had to eat that much food. Yeah. I only eat maybe two meals a day. Yeah. It's okay. usually one for me, but two at the max. Yeah. Yeah. I and again, I don't remember three. And and now that you've had a bad experience two yes. days ago, I don't think I want to oh, do three. <laughs> no. I was so stuffed. Um, so as far as extended fasting for you. Yes. What's the longest fast that you've done? I have done, well, the longest consecutive. Yeah. Consecutive 21 days, three times, and I did in January of 2016, I did 28 out of 31 days. I was planning on going the whole month of January. Right. That would have been stupid, by the way, um, but I'm just kidding. I'll <laughs> talk about that here in a second, but I was trying to go the full month of January, and we had to travel. Christine and I had to go to Virginia Beach 
So that drive up I-85 right past where you live and over to Virginia is stressful. Right. And I found that stress is a you-know-what mm-hmm. to my hunger. Right. And I, but I, I'm very cognizant of listening to hunger signals. I want to get into what's true hunger yes. on a fast yes. versus what is really that, that hunger. And I know what was the instigator with the travel was cortisol went uh-huh. up. And, and that, when cortisol, that it just cascaded. Yeah. All of those hunger hormones, blood sugar goes up. I just felt bad. I'm like, okay, I'm not driving in this state. Yeah. So I ate that day, got right back on it. Da, 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 da. And then we had to drive home. Okay, gonna eat that day. Yeah, deal with it again. So, yeah, I think sometimes people think fasting is starving. Right. Um, and there's a great way to kind of distinguish between those. Mm-hmm. Fasting is you are totally in control if you have travel day and you know you're going to have uh, hunger. Go ahead and eat. Yeah. You're in control. If you were starving, you would have no access to food. Right. And you want food and you physiologically need food. Right. And so sometimes people hear fasting and they hear starvation. Yes. And Immediately. I, I, I hate that um, because I think fasting could be a powerful tool if it's used correctly. So... At what point do you think it's okay for someone to start fasting? Like, do you think that you should be doing keto for four weeks, eight mm-hmm. weeks? I mean, how long? What is what is the guide for you? Like, what would you tell someone? So generally, the adaptation period for getting into nutritional ketosis at max is six to eight weeks mm-hmm. at max. Now, in ketosis and keto adapted. Right two totally different yes. things and people are like well I'm showing 1.3 on the blood ketone meter or I'm peeing purple after mm-hmm. like four days I, I can try this fasting thing and I think don't be in a hurry to jump the steps right. and one of the things that I think is a good sign Lauren that people can say okay I want to give this a go is when they feel calm in their mood mm-hmm. because you know the ketones are fueling their brain well um, the hunger is pretty much under control yeah. And I would say, rather than saying, I'm going to fast today, right. you let it come to you. That was the thing. When I started testing nutritional ketosis in 2012, 2013, which was the precursor to Keto Clarity, um, it just happened. Yeah. And Christine, I remember she, she was like, when's the last time you ate? Because I had not eaten in a while. And I look up at the clock, and I'm like, well, dang, it was like this time yesterday. Oh. It had been 24 hours. Right. Forgot to eat yeah. which you and I it's easy to in our past it's like there's no way and we would have forgot to yeah. eat but I had now, yeah now, now it's, it's nothing totally different yeah um so as far as like what breaks a fast uh, really any calories any calories. will break a fast okay, so you'll have well-meaning people Dave Asprey I love the guy to death his bulletproof coffee, but he goes on and he talks about, oh, drink bulletproof coffee and you won't break your fast. Well, that- Newsflash, <laughs> yeah, you do break the fast with yeah. bulletproof coffee. Now, do you spike insulin with that? Right. No. no, but that's not the point. You get other benefits besides the insulin controlling effects. Mm-hmm. You cut off autophagy when you have bulletproof coffee, right? Uh, which is like that cleaning up of the dead proteins, the cells in the body. Um, you don't get some of the anti-inflammatory effects that come from this. The pancreas has to start working once calories are introduced introduced into the body. And so that includes, even if it's just fat calories, mm-hmm. sometimes I think we try to give fat a free pass. Yes. And in, it's not a freebie. In fasting and with calories. 
yeah, food a, in across the board. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've rightfully said okay, keep the carbs low, but we haven't said you know what, fat is not a total freebie. Now I'm not somebody that says count fat grams or to cut fat grams, but in Keto Clarity we talked about low carb to your tolerance moderate protein to your threshold, but right. then fat to satiety. And there's some people that they just chop off to satiety and they're like, ooh, give me all the butter, give yeah. me all the fat. And they think it's a freebie. And they assume that because fat doesn't spike insulin, that that is why it doesn't break fast. It can That's actually spike insulin though. Um, and okay. here's the thing, I interviewed a gentleman, Dr. Richard Bernstein. He's okay. a very famous type one diabetes expert. Uh, the Bernstein Solution is his book, but he's had type 1 diabetes for almost 70 years. Mm -hmm. He's still alive, so that's right. pretty cool. Yeah. But he's um, he's helped various clients um, over the years, his patients, get better. And one of the things he told me on a podcast uh, that I did with him is anything that will distend the gut is actually inducing an insulin response. He said, you could eat pebbles and it distends the gut, you're gonna have insulin. There's no carbs, there's no fat, there's no nothing in pebbles. So if you eat fat that goes well beyond satiety and it distends the gut, you're getting an insulin response. Okay. And I don't think a lot of people in the keto world understand that. This is why you're not stuffing yourself. So if you ever get to a meal and you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe, you're already, in, yeah. you're already making insulin come yeah. out. So don't get to that point, which is why in Keto Clarity, we talked about eating to 80%. Right. Yeah, Dr. Westman said he visited a lot of the Asian cultures and they're teaching their kids that. Eat to 80%. So, of course, it's subjective. Oh, right. I'm 79.9%. No, yeah. it, it's subjective, but it's it's like, okay, eat enough, but not to the point that you're... Ugh, Extremely full. Which like is I the typical American. Three days ago. Right. Which I don't ever experience that on keto. That's the difference with carbs and keto like I don't ever feel that overly stuffed full filling until I have three meals a day yeah so but yeah um, so when you are fasting yeah what would you consume what do people ask? I mean you know like what is safe to consume so when I first started I thought I needed to consume something oh I'm fasting so surely I'll need some nutrition so I fell into the mistake, so learn from my mistake, you guys. I fell into the mistake that I needed bone broth. Oh, it's good for the health, It's oh, yeah. and, and it's even become in vogue. Oh, if you're gonna fast, do it with bone broth. Because it's gonna heal your gut. It's only 40 calories a cup, and if you stay under 200 calories, Jason and I put this in our book, uh, The Complete Guide to Fasting, if you stay under 200 calories, you're still technically fasting, and if you go over 200, then you start to fool your body into thinking mm -hmm. you're eating, and then you don't eat enough, and yada, yada, yada. Um, it was a mistake. Yeah. Um, and on top of the bone broth, I also did kombucha. Okay. Which it's healthy. Right. Um, gut health, yada yada, all mm -hmm. that stuff. What I've learned is those things did more to stoke hunger, and did more. And I put salt in the bone mm -hmm. broth. Yes. So, and I had bad diarrhea. I was blaming it on the fasting. But it was. It was these things. Yeah. Now, you're gonna have some interesting kind of bathroom habits in Lauren, right. if she wants to get into that, I'll let no, her ask this question. But it, it, yeah, but it was just to the nth degree, right. having the bone broth with the salt and having the kombucha. Um, so now when I do a fast, and I don't do 21 day fast, we can talk right, about right, that here right. in a minute anymore. Uh, but now when I fast, I'll do water and salt. Okay. That's it. What is your opinion on consuming caffeine while you are fasting? 
Yeah, it's probably not a good idea because for some people, caffeine can also stoke insulin. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't noticed the theme song we've had here today, insulin is the boogeyman in your yeah. hunger. Insulin and so anything caffeine. that, yeah, anything that would raise insulin, you're just setting yourself up to fail on a fasting attempt. Right. So that's one thing that I've heard is that caffeine can raise, it can raise insulin, but it can also raise like you, um, your cortisol, cortisol. Your activity, like things Which raises like that. blood sugar. So along with that, what about working out and fasting? So I've done that as well. Mm -hmm. um, if you're intermittent fasting, please work out. Right. Because you're going to get to eat that day. Right. If you're doing these extended fasts, which we're going to get into in a second, I did try working out in the midst of it. And of course, I'm not working out near like Keto Coach Lauren works out. <laughs> Some of that glycolytically demanding heavy lifting. Um, I think it's a short period of time. You need to think of it this way. You need to think of fasting as kind of recovery from your workout. Mm -hmm. So like when you work out and you're doing really heavy, you're not doing that exact same muscle group the next day, are you? No. So you have to think about fasting in the same way. When you are fasting, you're in active recovery from that. Now, does that mean you do no activity? No, I think you can mow your grass, you can go and go play with your walk, kid, go for a walk, do something active recovery, yeah. but you're not going all out you're not dead because you're dead. not getting the energy that you need to sustain because you'll, you'll burn right. muscle that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And do you find that if you do exercise while you're fasting that you get hungry? Because I've, I've oh, done yeah. that. I've made that mistake before. Right. So, yeah. So if you, if you exercise, you will get hungry. Mm -hmm. And if you do very glycolytically demanding, like heavy lifting, like you do, um, that's no bueno. Right. So I say on the days that you're, uh, well, if you're intermittent fasting, that's the that's the big change because you can do a heavy lift that day because you are eventually going to eat. Mm -hmm. So I think you time your workout to right before that meal time, and then you eat after that. Okay. So then, when it's time to break your fast. How do you do it? As an intermittent fast? Because uh, we haven't gotten into yeah, extended fasting yeah, really yet. Let, let's talk about breaking intermittent fast because okay. this is so funny to me. I don't consider an intermittent fast something you need to break. break. You're just okay. eating your meal. Okay. Um, but people are like, oh, how do you break it? I'm like, it's this thing called food. They overcomplicate <laughs> it. Yes. But I also want to remind people that when you are intermittent fasting, please do not under eat calories yes. when you do start eating. I think there's this propensity of, well, I don't want to eat too much and then you end up under eating, you slow your metabolic rate, you lose muscle when you go to the gym right. because you're not giving your body the adequate amount of nutrition it needs. All of this matters. So intermittent fasting is a tool, a very powerful tool, but people misrepresent uh, it because when they do start eating, they're not eating. And so you have to think of it, even with extended fasting and with intermittent fasting, when you're fasting, fast. Right. When you're feasting, feast. feast. And if you try to be in between that, you're just going to mess with your metabolism. Yeah. So now let's jump to now extended, extended fasting. fasting. Yes. But let's, before we get there, I think the alternate day is pretty cool. Okay. So alternate day fat, and we include this in the complete okay. guide to fasting as well. So let's say you have uh, your regular keto meals on Monday. Mm -hmm. On Tuesday, you don't eat at all. So that means starting at midnight, Monday night, all day Tuesday till midnight, Tuesday night, going into Wednesday morning. You don't eat during that 24 hour. It ends up being about a 36 hour fast. Yeah, I've done that. So it extends it just a little bit. Um, and it's actually a great way to, if you've kind of seen the scale go up a little bit, mm -hmm. 
alternate day fast. It's a great way to get the scale moving again. Right. Again, on the days that you eat, you, you gotta eat. Yeah, you can't you can't just I'm gonna eat a little bit and then Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and women are very notorious for that. Mm -hmm, they are. That okay, well, um, I fasted and so I, I don't I don't wanna mess that up, so I'm gonna just eat a little bit. You almost have to think of it in the way of, okay, I'm out of gas. Mm -hmm. And so if your car was out of gas, you would want to fill that bad boy back up. Right. You want to try to top it off so you can get through to the next time you're out of gas. Well, you've got to think of that with extended fasting. If you're not fueling yourself before the fast, then in the middle of your fast, you may run out of gas. Right. You're going to crash and crash hard. Right. Eat enough when you fast fast, when you feast feast. So extended fasting. Extended fasting is really anything that's over 24 hours. So alternate day would be an extended fast of 36 hours. And people hear extended fasting and think, oh my gosh, days and weeks on end. Seven and days. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. Um, and just like building your way up to an intermittent fast with keto, you build your way up to extended fasting yes. with intermittent fasting. So if you find yourself kind of very easily falling into OMAD one meal a day, and it's extremely easy. You're like, this is a cinch. Try the alternate day fast, and then that takes you to 36 hours. Maybe the next thing, you kind of push it in 42 hours. Yeah. And that's a really good extended fast. But here's the fun part, Lauren. When you get to day, and day two sucks, by the way. Oh, yeah. When you first that's start day. extended fasting, day two sucks royally. I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. Salt, salt, salt some more and you'll thank me later yeah. and lots of water yes that's the other thing too there is this thing called dry fasting please do not do that no. it's extremely dangerous without medical supervision um i have heard from john lemansky and different other ones that if you dry fast it actually doubles like for every one day of dry fasting it's like two days of water fasting but i'd rather two days of water fast. Oh, i'm yeah. getting thirsty just thinking about I know, it right yeah so you build up that muscle, but if you get to day three mm -hmm. and you get all the way to 72 hours, that's when the big long A word comes into play, autophagy. Yeah. So 2015, the guy that won the Nobel Prize in medicine did it with fasting and autophagy. And he said, it just takes 72 hours. Now, some people say, well, you get a little bit of the autophagy with intermittent fasting, which you do. Mm -hmm. But if you want that full turning over of those cells and getting rid of that extra protein, because people don't realize they have proteins that are just kind of floating around in their body, nowhere to go, no way to get rid of them, right. except by autophagy through fasting. Right. And so get to 72 hours. And here's the fun part. You get to 72 hours. And then Four, five, six, seven is nothing. Yeah. It's like you're in like party land at that point. But it took hell to get to the day three. Yeah. But once you're beyond that, don't believe me. I, I challenge you to try it. Have I, you ever gone that long? I have gone 48 hours. 48 hours, okay. And you want to go and I, honestly, longer? Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I feel like I probably could have kept going, but we had plans and... It was, I shouldn't have felt compelled to break it, right. but I did. Well, and, and she's making a good point here. If you have life circumstances, know that those life circumstances are coming right. and plan your fasts accordingly. If you've got a, a 20th uh, high school reunion coming up this weekend, you don't want to start trying to do a seven day fast on Thursday. Right. Don't, yeah, D no. don't put yourself through that. No. 
look at the calendar. Like right now, I'm traveling like a madman mm-hmm. with so many. I'm not even going to dare try to do longer than intermittent fast. I pretty much intermittent fast every single day. It's you, easy. You pretty much do like 24 hours sometimes. Yeah, pretty like much OMAD every yeah, day. Yeah. So extended fast. It's been a little while because I've just had a hectic schedule this year. But when we're home in July, I'm not eating yeah. for at least seven days. And I try to do those maybe once a quarter. Okay maybe once every four months to try to just get things going. And the reason I don't do 21 anymore is I do think that there is a law of diminishing returns at some point that once you get past seven days, then you kind of start the cycle over again mm-hmm. and you start getting, kind of getting that gnawing of hunger. Why put yourself through that? Right. There's a longer period of time to recover. Think about the hardest workout you ever did and how weak your muscles were it took a long time to recover right right? maybe you couldn't get back to the gym for three four days to work those exact same muscles again you're oh my god doms is killing me well think about the fasting doms that happen when you go a very long time so i think if you do seven day fast and five to seven is probably a good thing to shoot for you could do that once a quarter that's four times a year that's one month of the whole year Mm -hmm. Whereas if you do a three-week fast, it's going to take you a year probably to recover so you can do it again so you're not getting near the bang for your buck. So what about these people who are constantly doing 36-hour fasts like once a week or like, you know, like how how do you go about doing several-day fasts and how often are they okay? Yeah, so if you're talking about like two to three day kind right. of fast count, right. so the like, longest one like, you've done is 48. Yeah, 48 hours. You could probably do a 48-hour fast every week. Every week. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think if you're going to go that way, go ahead and push it 72 all the way to five to seven days. Then you can take a little while off. And in the meantime, alternate day fasting, which is 36 hours, uh, intermittent fasting on a daily basis up to OMAD, which is 24 hours. So I I think we sometimes feel like, okay, if I'm only intermittent fasting, I'm not really fasting. Yes, you are. You're fasting really well. And and I also want to make sure this point's clear. I don't think everybody has to do longer fasts. Right. So you've done 48-hour fasts. Why did you do it? I just... Just to see what I it was just, like? Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to kind of have just a reset. I feel like I always do a 24-hour fast at least once a month just for the sake of fasting. But right. 48 hours was like I wasn't hungry. I just kept going. And I just wanted to see how long I could go and how it felt. And I felt great. And I think that's a great motivation for doing it. Um, but I think most people, probably at least three out of four people, do just fine just intermittent fasting. You'll probably never have to do these longer fasts. The longer fasts are people who have a little more metabolic derangement, a little more insulin resistance, and you know who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it provides benefit. Yeah. But again, it's not something you need to like worry about. I think if you plan it, you look on the calendar, wow, it looks like it's pretty clear, no kids' activities, it's going to make me have to run around and get you hungry plan it put it on the calendar and say i'm going to shoot for five to seven days and if you don't make it the whole way and you only made it three and a half days guess what you just made it three and a half days and maybe that's the longest you've ever gone before so don't beat yourself up people seem to be it seems to be the popular topic like keto and intermittent fasting is the like gold to losing all the weight but do you have to intermittent fast lose weight with keto i don't think so uh but i think intermittent fasting just happens with keto so i I almost hate to make the two mutually exclusive from each other i think when you keto you intermittent fast yeah 
And when you intermittent fast, you're producing ketones, ketones, which then makes you want to eat in such a way to keep the the benefits that you're getting from that up. It's kind of like there is no peanut butter without jelly in a mm-hmm. peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. You have to bad analogy for keto. Yes. But <laughs> don't listen, Casey Oak Keto uh, Corner podcast. Um. So for me. Yeah. Um. The first time that I ever did an extended fast, which was 24 hours. Uh, suffering from binge eating disorder previously, yes. I found myself binging on keto foods after. What did you do? I just ate absolutely everything. Anything that was in the Anything house that, that was, was in the house. keto, quote unquote. Yeah. So, like, what? And I, I did the same thing. Can I tell you about my experience? Yeah, yeah. So, the first time I tried seven days, I got to seven days. It was a church day. I go to church. Guess what they're doing that day? They're serving communion. Mm. Guess what Jimmy decided to do on an empty stomach and hasn't eaten for six and a half days. I had the little wafer Uh and the little cup of juice. I'm like, it's no big deal. Don't do that. Yeah. Christian or otherwise, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Because I got home and I laid down on the bed and I was literally moaning. Christine's like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. And I tested my blood sugar and I was 51. Wow. I was majorly hypoglycemic. So don't play around with this. This is powerful. And you have to realize when you haven't eaten in that long, you've got to ease into mm-hmm. breaking the fast because you did ask about yes. that earlier. And these kind of fasts, it's like five to seven days fast, even like a th- two to three day mm-hmm. fast like you did, you need to ease into it. So what we put in the complete guide to fasting is eat a little something. Yeah. So a small little salad, a few little macadamia or peely nuts, just something small. Does it matter if it's fat or protein? Because what I've heard uh-huh. is that it's better to break your fast with that's because you're introducing that to the body and that is what it is going to be trained so to use. Dr. Fung only talked about don't eat eggs to okay. break your fast. And the reason is uh, it could cause some constipation as your first foods. Because by that point, yes, you're still pooping stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about right, pooping. Yeah. You're still pooping some stuff out, but it's pretty much empty. Right. And so you want that first thing that, that goes in there to be able to go through the digestive system relatively easy. Which is fat. Which if, well, if you don't have good digestion, oh, that may not be a good idea. So there's so many moving parts to this conversation, but in general... You know, you don't want to think fat heavy for that first little bit of food. Yeah. Um, Not like a bulletproof coffee full of like 50 grams of Gosh, fat. no. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've seen people eat some bacon. Mm-hmm. So that's fat and protein. Uh, they've had peely nuts or macadamia nuts. They've had a small salad, just something. And it's just a teeny tiny 150-ish calories worth of stuff. And what you're doing when you eat that about 45 minutes to 60 minutes Ooh. before you eat your meal, Waking your you're bringing <laughs> the blood back to your stomach yeah. again. And so people don't realize the blood flow stops. You can't just start eating and you, right. and you want to eat that yeah. way. Um, oh, I forgot to tell you. About the binge. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I was hypoglycemic, I was like, okay, I've got to break this. But I was like hours away from seven days. I was so teed off. Yeah. I wanted to say something else, but that's, I was <laughs> I was mad. I ate six Quest bars. I ate. Oh. I was worse than you. Oh. Binging. Yeah. I was. I was. I could not get enough food in my mouth mm-hmm. because I was so ravenous, and it was just that one little bit with the communion yeah. that triggered that. And do you think that because it was carb-based, that that was what set it off? Or do you think it was just... 
Oh, you think the, the, the communion? Uh -huh. Oh, it was totally the, the sugar. The sugar. And it was just a teeny tiny little, I mean, anybody that's ever seen communion, the little wafers may be yeah. six grams of carbs. Yeah. And the little cup of juice may be eight to ten-ish, yeah. if that. But still. So it wasn't much, but it was just enough on an empty stomach, insulin at its lowest, everything really empty, and then this is the, the sustenance I gave it. It's like it set you on fire. It like it did. was the fuel. It, it totally did. I, I thought I was dying. It was really bad. And so I couldn't stop eating. Mm -hmm. And finally I did stop eating and I was just like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. So anyway, lesson learned. So the people that like us that have experienced, because I haven't experienced a binge post fast since that time. Right. But like the people who give fasting a bad name because they they do tend to binge afterwards. Like what would you, what do you say? I mean, just don't fast at all. Those people probably should not fast. Um, and we'll get to the other people that shouldn't fast here in a minute, but once you kind of get that little bit of food in, I think that's the thing that, that sets people off too. They don't get the blood flowing back to the stomach do it correctly. again. That's right. So that's why the little meal, 45 to 60 minutes before your meal, is important. And then here's the thing when you have that first meal post extended fast, so that five to seven day fast, you think, okay, I'm going to eat a lot of food. Right. Whatever you normally eat for food, make that, and cut it in half. Yeah. You and if you get through that half, I'll be surprised. Because your stomach has your stomach is small. Shrank. Yeah. Yeah, and people don't think about that. They're like, I haven't eaten in a week. I'm going to eat that out of mm -hmm. house and home. And the key is because your insulin is under control, your blood sugar under control, all your hormone under control, unlike the communion story I told right. where we were, you know, yeah. what triggered you, by the way? I'm just curious what triggered you to binge, to binge after your fast? It was just, I, I Just ate, frustrated? Were I, you hungry? I think I ate and I, I feel like I blacked out and just kept eating and then when I finally realized because that's essentially what happens when I binge is and most people too you you eat and eat and eat and eat and you don't realize how how much how full you are and how uncomfortable you are and then you really you're like oh my gosh so well and here's the other thing you and I both have binging eating in our mm -hmm. past yeah as obese people and so you don't forget how to do no, that. No, it was just it. I, I don't really know that it was a trigger. I think I think maybe the trigger was the fact that I hadn't eaten in for. Well, it was only was it 20, psychological? Only you think hours. at that point? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It was like, oh, I haven't eaten for 24 hours. Give me all the food. I right. can eat it all. Or you which know, is like, why that methodicalness of building your way up mm -hmm. is so critically yeah. important. Yeah. Because if you jump into, oh, Jimmy and Lauren are talking about eating. Uh, seven day or doing a seven day fast. I'm, I'm going to go right that. to seven days yeah. and you've never even done 24 yet. Right. Don't do that to yourself. Right. Le learn the lessons that we made mistakes. Yes. Learn from our mistakes. Yes. So the people that should not fast. Yes. Pregnant women. Yeah. Absolutely. I hope that goes without saying yeah. that a pregnant woman should not fast uh, for all the obvious reasons. Right. Children, I don't think have any business that are still growing, mm -hmm. have any business uh, fasting. Now, teenagers, I know some teenagers that are of 16, 17, 18 could mm -hmm. intermittent fast. Uh, but any kid under 16, no fast. I mean, they're going to naturally fast. Connor probably right. naturally yeah. goes through periods of time. Yeah. He's just not hungry. There's days where he wants a snack every 30 seconds. And then there's days that he wants to eat, you know, just three meals a day. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, so those are two big groups. I also think 
that people who have had an eating disorder past probably does not know, like the bulimia or an anorexia, binge eating. Yes, it can yeah. help with those things. Uh, ketosis can, but let's get them on ketosis yeah. and not give them a neurosis about ketosis mm -hmm. by putting in the element of fasting. And I know there's somebody on my Jimmy rants over here, Lisa, is overcoming kind of binge eating disorder, eating disorder, and it took a while for her to heal with keto, but now she's implementing periods of fasting back right. into it because she's back in control again. Right. So eating disorders, children, pregnant women, and really anybody that it puts them in diet mode. Right. If you feel like that this is deprivation and starvation and your brain's not in it, mm -hmm. don't do it. Yeah. This, this is definitely keto advanced. Right. It's another, it's another tool in the belt of a ketogenic diet, just like carnivore, just like anything that you can, can do to enhance it, right. but it's not for everyone. So right. Very awesome. Oh, the other question I have. We're had. blazing through some good info We here. are, yeah. <laughs> um, the weight loss that comes with that. Yes, thing. thank you for asking about that. Yeah, so what about these people who are like, I'm doing intermittent fasting yeah. because I want to accelerate my weight loss. Will it come back if I eat? So, again, I have to put the distinction between intermittent fasting and extended fasting. I don't see intermittent fasting as a, quote, weight loss tool. I don't need the, the weight you would lose in an intermittent fast is what you would lose in a normal day anyway. Right. So I think what comes into play is extended fasting. Right. So if in seven days you end up losing 10 to 12 pounds, which is typical for yeah. a lot of people, that's actually a sign you're insulin resistant because you're only supposed to lose about a half a pound of body fat a day. So if you're already well keto adapted, you've already dumped all the glycogen stores, you got rid of the water weight. So if you lose more in seven days than say three to three and a half pounds, you've lost more than that. Um, that means you're pretty darn insulin resistant. It means you, you some people, oh, did I lose muscle? No, you didn't lose muscle, but you're actually just not doing your body good. A good thing. So start to heal the body a little more. You could do some intermittent fast, but I, you know my philosophy on the, on the weight part of keto and even fasting, I think it misses the point mm -hmm. of it all. Yes. Heal the body, get the hormones under control, and if by doing that over a period of time you start becoming more insulin sensitive, then the weight loss will come. For people who are trying to heal hormones, heal gut, like the gut and everything, because yeah. you hear a lot about gut health and fasting and yes. how they work hand in hand. Yes. What is what is that? So when you're not eating, you're not feeding the bad boys. Right. You're not feeding the good boys either. Yeah. But it's also a period of time where the bad goes, um. Excuse me. Yeah. And so if you don't feed them, they die off. Mm -hmm. And so for that period, so between the autophagy, getting rid of the proteins in there, between lowering the insulin levels and lowering inflammation levels in the body and increasing uh, human growth hormone, killing off the gut bacteria is another huge benefit of going at least 72 hours right. of fasting. You do that, and it's gonna be gross, Lauren, so right. sorry KCL Keto Corner <laughs> listeners and Jimmy Rants fans, but your poop, that first poop, is the most glorious poop in the entire world. So you can tell I'm comfortable talking to my friend Lauren if I'm gonna talk about crap with her, but that first poop, 
it might take a day or two if you right. haven't eaten five to seven days. Yeah. That first poop, which happens like a day and a half later, is so clean and beautiful. It, it It's what you want. Because and the it's... reason it's that way is you killed off the bad. Okay. And the good are like, ah. So for people like who... like that visual? Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> so for people who are um, concerned about like getting bad bacteria in their gut. Like, yes. Is there food? Everybody has it. Okay. So like there's not certain food, like after, say there's people who have completed a extended fast yes. and they're like, should I not incorporate dairy back in my diet or should I not incorporate certain things? Like is there... There's certainly no downside. And you're talking about within the keto template because yeah. it's obviously yeah, yeah. sugar and grains yes. are going to be the ones that feed the gut I mean, the worst. I don't feel like uh, people who eat sugar and grains are able to fast like we can. No. Like, that do Not comfortably. Fasting. Right. They're so, miserable. But yeah, so, in the okay. keto realm. So within the keto realm, what could you eat that could exacerbate the bad gut? Certainly dairy is a possible instigator but i don't want to throw everybody. yeah i was gonna say i don't want to throw dairy under the bus that way but if you start eating dairy and you feel bloated and you or you just don't feel optimal you just kind of feel blah maybe it's worth giving it up for a period of time yeah and for a lot of people that's kind of sacrilege because you're like oh jesus life and yeah. you know when you took away my sugar i need my cheese still more and, like heavy cream is yeah like, heavy cream i can do without the cheese i just can't <laughs> do without the heavy cream <laughs> i was up at the buffet while i go where are the cheese i'm looking for uh -huh. cheese i need cheese with my burgers yes yeah okay so it's not necessary it's just it's another thing that's bio-individual that it is incredibly bio-individual as with everything mm -hmm. cool yep i'm trying to think of other questions I mean, we covered a lot. We did. This has been a great podcast. I know. You should be a podcaster or something. Oh, maybe. Oh, wait a minute. She is. <laughs> How did you start this podcast? Mm, I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, no, um, those are pretty much all the questions that I get. Okay. What breaks a fast? Any crazy keto questions you get that you want mm, me to try to take a stab gosh, at? Gosh, I don't know. Because you hear know. all kinds of things in your clients and I do. or anybody from your from your show that hmm. they've written you and let's, it's hard. Let's because you're pretty swift at this stuff, so yeah. I mean, we could talk about like the high protein, high fat. Oh thing. boy, she's opening a can of worms <laughs> now. I just don't want my uh, my camera to cut off again. But <laughs> but Jimmy Rance will catch it. Yes, Jimmy Jimmy Rance sees all. Yeah. So, so yeah, high protein versus high fat. We know my stance. I mean, what is your stance? Rearticulate it. My stance is that. Obviously, it's another thing that's bio-individual, but yep. I tend to say that keto is high fat, moderate protein, and low carb. Well, see, there's where the bugaboo cuts in, mm -hmm. because people hear high moderate. fat, moderate protein, low carb, and they think, what does that mean? Right. Well, I want numbers, I need macronutrient ratios, and I'm not a fan of that. Right. Because of the bio-individuality, one person's high fat may be 85%, mm -hmm. another one's high fat may be 60%. So look at that disparity, right. and both are considered high fat because what's high mean? A what? preponderance of the calories. Yeah. So really it's anything 51% totally or more is right. high fat. Moderate in protein means it's not this over-the-top level of protein. Mm -hmm. I did an experiment last year that you know about, and I had hypoglycemia 15 times in a mm -hmm. week, that was very high in protein. Well, it was like 40 to 45% protein. Right. So but, not super-duper high as a preponderance of the calories, but, but higher than moderate. Moderate would be closer to, say, maybe 20 to 30-ish percent mm -hmm. of your calories. And, of course, then the other monkey wrench in it 
is if you're an exerciser right. or a bodybuilder, so you're friend, eating a little more protein. Our friend Danny Vega can benefit a lot from a lot of protein. Yeah. He can probably handle more protein than someone like, I mean, even me. Yeah. Because I do lift a lot of weight. And even on this keto carnivore, I used to eat about 90 to 100 grams of protein on traditional kind of keto. Once I cut the carbs out and went keto carnivore, which is like a higher fat version of carnivore, mostly that just means I add dairy and right. I love it. Add so, fat. Yeah. <laughs> and add fat to it. Um, I'm eating maybe 130 to 140 grams of total protein. Right. That's a big jump in protein, yet I still feel well, I still get all the benefits that I was getting with the ketosis um, except higher protein. Right. So I, again, moderate, and it ends up being maybe 25 to 30% of my calories. Yeah. And then the rest is all fat. So I think that's that's the thing that people need. And I know you don't, you're not big on calculate or keeping track of macros. Because and, I think it's a being, neurosis thing at right, some point. And being in dieting mode. But right. if you're like me and you like to have tracking and right. you like to know how a certain ratio affects your body, having a coach right. is, is finding the best ratio that works best for you. And in that context, I'm in favor of it. Right. I think what happens is people think they have to hit some kind of an arbitrary yes. macronutrient ratio yes. and, oh, I haven't hit my fat calories for the day and so they eat a stick of butter but to try hungry. to get there and they're not hungry. Right. That's why I'm not a fan. But if they're working with a coach like you and they have specific goals in mind and it motivates them, mm -hmm. I'm all for counting macros okay. in that context. Okay. But you have the argument of these people who are saying like if you're going to eat all the protein you don't need to add fat to your meals or like what is I'm your... starving just thinking about right, that. Right, right because when I did a higher protein I felt a fullness but I also felt like I was not satiated. Like I, I felt physically yes. full yes. but I was not satisfied. When I did the high protein experiment, which was a three grams of protein mm -hmm. for every one gram of fat, it ended up being 270 grams of protein in a day, 90 grams of fat. It was a lot of chicken breast, a lot of lean yeah. meats. I would eat a, a, a meal of like three, four chicken breasts, and an hour later, no lie, Lauren, I would be Hungry. starving. Yeah. And I'm like, I just ate a crap load of like food. Mm -hmm. Why am I hungry? Yeah. And of course we know insulin, uh, um, chicken is very insulogenic. If it's eaten in a leaner style, we know that the symbiosis of the fat and the protein together mm -hmm. is what gives you the satiety. That's the thing that frustrates me about the people that promote this higher protein. They're neglecting, especially people with insulin resistance, that you need the proper amount of fat and protein. Mm -hmm. So pause. I can't pause now. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't jump. It's all good. We're there back. we go. We're back. Yeah. Um, so adding the fat. Yes. But at not adding it in excess. Yeah. Like we so what's keep it look a, like? We gotta keep it a little moderate. I yes. mean like what what have what I've done on the cruise. Yes. I get a well, I would say maybe like an eight or ten ounce steak. Yes. And then I add a pat of butter to pat it. Pat of butter. That's it. You don't go adding like three or four pats of butter please, because I need all the fat. Please don't put A1 or Heinz 57. Yeah, yeah. Just put some butter on And you'll think it's later, by the way. Right. Especially if it's like garlic butter. Oh. All the truffle butter. Yeah. Oh, the truffle up butter. The, yes. Up in the dining room. She's eating all high falutin. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's one of the things that I think that 
a lot of people need to talk about is is that high protein yeah. versus high fat and I mean well and I think it's a nuanced discussion because you've got to know who you're talking about if you're insulin sensitive go eat your carnivore diet have your 65% fat 35% protein steak mm -hmm. when you eat your ribeye that's the ratio of a ribeye have that enjoy it enjoy your health good for you right but I think they need to acknowledge people like me right who need the higher fat. I was actually called out by a carnivore person that said, see, you're leading people down the wrong path because you're promoting them to eat unnecessary fat. And I said, it's not unnecessary. I, I've done this long enough. They act like I'm stupid, by the way. But how I've done long, this. How long have you been doing this? 15 Jimmy? years. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so, you know, they act like I don't understand kind of meta, metabolic yeah. I talk for a living by the way yeah. metabolic physiological kind of uh, reaction to all this and I do mm -hmm. I know my body right. it's something you were even called up for it's like oh you're so in tune with your body you should say thank you thank you I yes. sure am yeah. and so am I yeah I mean 80% fat is what I feel absolute best on when I track right. my macronutrients and I track my food intake 80% fat is what I mentally feel best on, yeah. what I physically can perform best on, and stay full on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone's different. It's I don't ever set my clients at 80% right. right away. Right. We work up to it, and then we kind of see what works best for them. But Yeah, there was somebody on this cruise that was talking about they didn't see results until they got to 80. I think it was Jessica. It was Jessica, yeah. They got to 85% of, of her diet is fat. And that's extreme for a lot of people, even in the keto yeah. space. 85, well, unless you have epilepsy, you don't need to go that high. And I think that argument is thrown out there quite a bit too, Lauren, yeah. where, well, this is only supposed to be a diet for people with extreme neurodegenerative no. types of diseases, and it's very powerful for that. Right. But to neglect that it could be powerful for, for people that are just trying to be very healthy um, and then it's also misrepresented as, oh, well, if it's only about weight loss, just cut your calories, which is why I move the message away from the weight and make it about health. Now what's their excuse? Right. Yeah. Because everyone tends to focus on the weight. Yes. Which is sad. Which is a theme song on Jimmy Rants all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stop doing that. Even, even as a coach, I mean, I try to get my clients to stop focusing on that weight as the goal. Like, yeah. What are you really trying to achieve? Yes. Weight loss will come. It'll be a benefit, a side effect, a good one. But healing your body and making sure that you're doing everything for your health. Or if the weight doesn't come off. What are the other things going on? Right. And see, you could eat the most perfect diet. Here, here's where I think coaches and dietitians and doctors have failed people. They put all the basket in, are you losing weight with X? Right. Diet, whatever. Right. But they're never saying that it goes beyond the diet, mm -hmm. which is why you're hearing more people talk about putting emphasis on sleep, putting emphasis on stress management. You know, looking at the medications that you're taking, what are the ramifications of those? Even some supplements can be keeping you from losing weight. I remember the first time I started taking creatine because I wanted to buff up in the right. gym, I gained 20 pounds. Yeah, and because it... I never lost it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It can, I mean, creatine allows you to hold a lot of water, too. Uh, I held a lot of... I peed a lot when I, uh -huh. when I stopped taking it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... I I try in my coaching practice to make it not about weight loss yeah. as the goal. And I think but. that's smart. I think you're the wave of the future 
doing that because I think Biggest Loser so perverted our brains into thinking health is all about the weight loss. Yeah. And you know me well enough, my philosophy is just the other way around. Right. Weight just loss by, isn't isn't the end be all end all goal. Right. Or the way that someone physically looks. Oh, yeah. she's opening We're gonna open up another she's can. opening all the cans of worms today. So when when uh, when you see someone who is physically fit, by the way, how do you look? How do I look? Yes. I don't know. Right before we came on the air, you said I'm a I'm a hot mess. And I said you are. <laughs> I'm perfect the way I am. Something oh, I, like I that. didn't say I, don't know. I didn't Not say perfect, that, but I said but you're beautiful. I'm beautiful and the way you'd I am. Be confident yes. in that. Yes. So I didn't plan on. And recording. yes, this is the same lady that two days ago did a talk about body dysmorphia, I still struggle and you still with struggle. It. Yes. I'm gonna keep her honest, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway. But so for people who look fit and muscular and like they are athletic, yeah, <laughs> um, we assume they're healthy. Right. Danny Vega. Right. And he is extremely healthy. Yeah. But not everybody that looks like Danny Vega is, is extremely healthy. Vega. They so, could be doing that with steroids. And then on the contrary, people who don't look like they work out every day oh, could be healthy on the inside. Could but, be. But people assume that they're not. And that's a frustrating thing because yes. I'm on the latter end of that. Um, people see the physicality and it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. I would love to have six pack abs. Mm -hmm. Probably never going to happen, but I'm okay with that right. because right. the health markers are good. Right. Do, it's just like. But I don't think I'm being complacent where I am. People often assume, well, you have weight on the body, you eat keto, you're the leader in keto, you should have figured it out by now. Get your act together. Stop eating the donuts. Assuming I do that, by the way. But there's so much else that goes into it. Right. There's so much. Like, I mean, we've talked about cortisol, insulin, all yes. of these things. And just because you're eating a ketogenic diet doesn't mean that you're going to stay, you know, at your weight that you, you, your lowest weight. I've talked about that too. I'm well, about... Keto is not a weight loss right. diet. Right. It's I've all tried about to redefine health. that. And I, I think that's part of the challenge with keto becoming so popular in the culture is people just assume, well, it's the hottest diet, so therefore everybody that eats this diet and gets ketones on a blood meter yeah. or pee stick or a breath meter automatically will lead to weight loss. And ketosis does not mean automatic no. weight loss. It no. never has, it never will. All it means is Fat is being mobilized to be burned for fuel. Now, in that mobilization, it should be coming from stored body fat. For some people, they hang on to it for a lot of reasons. They hang on to it because there's toxins deep within the, the fat stores that are trying to protect your body. I'm running out of time on uh -huh, Jimmy Rats. We've been okay. going a long time. We have. Um, uh, so the, the toxins don't want to be released into the bloodstream. That's one thing. Um, and then stress will make you hang on to the fat because it thinks you're in panic. It literally thinks a saber-toothed tiger is chasing you right. and you're going it's to die soon if you don't have that energy. So it's fight or flight, mm -hmm. exactly. So there's so many kind of mitigating factors that if you don't talk about those things within the context of weight beyond the diet, you've missed the whole boat. And you can't assume. You missed the boat and I'm on a boat. So. Right, right. You can't assume just by looking at someone that they are healthy or not healthy, just based on their physical appearance. Right. I think that's a good place to stop. That was good. <laughs> Did you guys enjoy that? I hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so.
Thank you. So where can we find you, Jimmy, online? Yes. yes. Thank you for asking if that you, question. If you didn't know, because he said Live and Love the Low Carb Podcast and all of these things, where can people find you? Yes. Uh, just Google my name, Jimmy Moore. Yep, You'll find all, all the do. books. I do have a brand new book, Keto Clarity Cookbook. <gasps> yes. It's out. Uh, in so June, excited. I don't know when this is airing, so it's sometime in, in the month of June, probably when it comes out. So June eighteenth is when it came out, yeah. or is coming out. Yeah, proper language. So, uh, so yeah, uh, real excited about that. Uh, five years. That's crazy. Follow up. Finally got a cookbook out of it. So. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Keto clarity is how I got my start with keto. Yay! So. And there, a little birdie told me that we might make you a moment of clarity quote expert in the redo of Keto Clarity in 2020. Maybe. We shall see. So, well, thank you for taking the time. And I'm done on Jimmy Ranch. Yeah, there we go. <laughs>